Welcome to How Now, the podcast where we talk about how to live in the now. And here's your host, Kim Martin Raymond. Peace and blessings, love and light. And welcome to this edition of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. I am your host, Kim Martin Raymond. I'm a minister, spiritual life coach, author, and founder of Redefining You LLC, where I help my clients to realign themselves mind, body, and spirit. So welcome to this evening's show. If this is your first time listening in, welcome to the How Now Podcast family. Make sure that you go to www.hownowpodcast.com, pick your favorite podcast platform, and make sure that you like, follow, subscribe, and share. You can also click on the banner that's at the bottom of the page, and it will take you to the How Now YouTube channel, where you can like, follow and share and subscribe there. You can see some of the shows that you may have missed in our past two seasons. And you can also be notified of the shows as they are coming up. That's every Wednesday at 8 p.m. So make sure you go to www.hownowpodcast.com. Okay, so let's hop into our topic for this evening. We are going to be talking about the woes in childcare. Where do we go from here? You know, it's been quite a time. You know, I've worked in the childcare industry. A lot of you know that I have a background in education and it's really been a challenge, especially for our young children. We have had so many traumas that have come along with this pandemic and it's been a trying time, you know, and, and so we want to dive into, uh, you know, a little bit of a behind the scenes with regards to our child care industry. And we are going to talk with our guests about, you know, how that looks from the other side of the coin. So as is customary with the How Now podcast, I'm going to have my guest to introduce herself at this time. Good evening, everyone. My name is Camille Williams, and I am a the executive director at a local child care facility here in the Atlanta, Georgia area. I have been teaching in um, childcare and leading childcare facilities now for the past, uh, let's see, it was 2001. Started off as a two-year-old teacher and just worked my way up the ladder and um, have been leading fellow teachers and um, leading schools now for the past five years. So awesome. something that I absolutely love. I'm a mom of two, um, a new teenager, so a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old and uh, a wonderful wife. And so I just love working with children, honestly, Mm -hmm. working with children and teaching and leading other early educators is definitely my passion. So thank you so much, Kim, for having me today. Awesome. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's wonderful to, you know, be with another, uh, you know, fellow educator and, you know, and parent, and, th- and that's something that's so important when we talk about childcare and we talk about those who are in administrative roles in childcare facilities, you know, finding out a little bit of their background and realizing that, you know, most of them are parents, grandparents, you know, or have had instance to work with children over a long period of time. I love that you say that, you know, that not only have you been, you know, working with teachers, but, you know, also that you've been coaching them. Yeah. and mentoring them. And that's something that's important. 
you know, when we're talking about, you know, the welfare and the safety of our children. Okay, yeah. so like I said, it's just, it's a pleasure to have you here. And we're just going to have Thank a wonderful you. conversation about childcare and the childcare industry. So let's, let's take a step back first. We're going to go, you know, pre-COVID, you know, <laughs> and, and, and talk about how things were going. Way back when. Then. Way back when, right. You know, we're looking at, you know, we're creeping up on three years that, yeah. that we've been in this pandemic and we're still actively in this pandemic, you know, and we want to, you know, make sure that people are cognizant of that. It is not that it has lapsed or that it has passed, you know, and, and it, it has definitely affected the childcare industry. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about prior, you know, pre-COVID, you know, things that were going on in the childcare industry. What were just some of the, the things that were, you know, th- that were consistently problematic or things that, that, that you found were difficult in the childcare industry pre-COVID? You know, pre-COVID, it was very hard for me to get parents truly involved Um, I must say that they love the um, activities, but the involvement, you know, was a little difficult at that time. Um, It was difficult to really be able to truly talk to parents when it came to behaviors. It was brushed off a lot um, or, um, you know, it was just kind of like, oh, well, we'll wait. We'll wait till they're a little bit older, you know, so that was a little bit difficult when it came to speaking with parents about any type of developmental concerns before. Um, It was going, going, going. We were constantly busy doing activities. So I feel like there was no downtime for our teachers and also the fellow administrators, whether it be trainings or more events or something like that. Like it was just constantly moving. So it was the hustle and the bustle of the game constantly and trying to it was a stretch for come on let's get more kids in the building let's do let's just continue to try to enroll 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 wow. and then covid came and we got a breather <laughs> it was right. a breather but it was a scary time right so right. um but it was a time for us to actually connect which was great parents were actually more involved more active they wanted to know how they could help what they could do which was absolutely amazing mm. um we had parents who you know, we're just, let me, let me give you some mask. Let me um, get you a new air system in your um, building. Like they were constantly giving, checking in. Um, and that was very, 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 very uh, appreciative at that time. And even now they still do, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now, like I said, we have parents who are more engaged. They really do want to know more. I think they've really taken more into appreciating their early child care field um, and really wanting to be more involved. So they are really interested in knowing more about the curriculum. How can they volunteer? It wasn't just like a to-do list anymore. Mm-hmm. So now I see them more engaged. Um, and I see my teachers, my my teachers are, they slow down too, you know? It isn't just mm-hmm. about let's get through the day, let's get through this activity. They really are starting to do more documentation, really just do more assessments on kids um, so that when we do have those difficult conversations, we're giving some legit information. It's not just about behavior or, you know, Bobby's running up, um, climbing on the furniture. No, it's more documentation with times and dates and um, how we were able to redirect, how long was the redirection for, how, you know, how long did it last, but then what was next? So it's more thorough now. So um 
it's it was you know COVID changed a lot um, yeah. but I always look we always look at the positive now you know when I think back do I enjoy the time pre-COVID or you know post-COVID uh and like you said we're still in it so there really is no post <laughs> but right. um uh, I'm enjoying the post honestly um mm. because it just gave us the time to really just reconsider what's important what's not important when it comes to teaching our children and leading a school and being involved with parents. It really just gave us a time to slow down and just be more active. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, that that's wonderful. And that's something that that's important. You, you made some key points. It's interesting because like you said, we, we all were so busy with the hustle and bustle of life and just going through the motions and, uh, you know, it, it was almost robotic. You know, you get was. up, you ring yeah. the bell, alarm rings, yeah. you get up, you get the kids ready, you take them to school, you go to work, you come back, pick up the kids, you have dinner, blah, 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 blah. So, you, you know, it's just everything yeah. just going back and forth. And now all of a sudden you're in a space where, wait a minute, now everything slowed down. People had to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and people had to, and then people really, really started to understand the importance of what it was that educators yeah. did. We saw right. it in the public school se sector, yeah. and we saw it also in the childcare facility. People yeah. did not realize their own children and and no. the behaviors or or anything that was going on with their children no. until they were tasked with having to take care of their children <laughs> to have them 24 7 in their house and they had to take on that role of being the educator in the, the household and teaching oh my goodness wow. um i think that was an eye opener for myself as well. Yeah. I mean, my children at that time, they were 10 and uh, eight and like they, they became little college students, right? They had to learn how to do the <laughs> online learning, how to navigate yeah. that. They had so many different tools. Seesaw, it's learning. I'm ready. It was just so many different things, but right. they all had to keep up with that, you know? Yeah. And so um, I think for us too, it was just like, my goodness, we had to learn how to use uh, Google Meets. We had to learn how to use Microsoft Teams. We had to right. learn all these different. Right, Zoom became yeah. you know took yeah. off. And, you know, it had been established, and it was just it was really a time of trying yeah. to figure out. Yeah. Oh my goodness, what you know? <laughs> what what do I do? You know, they really did not. Parents really did not understand. Yeah. You know what that whole process of teaching and right. and creating an environment of learning for their children. You know, right. they didn't realize the importance of that until yeah. they were tasked with having to do it. And that's something right. that's so important for people to remember. It's not until you're tasked with doing it that you really understand and appreciate to have a respect. <laughs> that's right. And an appreciation for yeah. those who do it for a bulk of the day. You know, yeah. for those parents who drop their children off at 6 a.m. and pick them up at 6 p.m. You yeah. know, 12 hours <laughs> we're spending with your children. Right. So, right. you know, it's a, it's a matter of, of, you know, making sure that they understand the the magnitude of that yeah. and and yeah. and have a respect and a appreciation for those who have a passion for it you said it yourself yeah. you have a passion for this yeah. you know and 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 we begin to see the value and exactly. what it is that people are doing so like you said you know there there wasn't as much interaction from the parents and then it became hey you know what can i do and so what we love that do? paradigm shift we love that there right. were changes that were made so right. that, that way we could we can see that involvement people were actually taking time and investing time in their children's education yes. as they should have been doing 
The four. <laughs> right. It's a hard right? lesson to learn. You didn't want them to learn it that way, but we're glad that they exactly. that some of them are learning it. So yeah. that's something that's important. And then you also made another point that was good, talking about the staff and how they had to step in and the tireless hours that I'm sure that they've had to, you know, to endure in order to keep doors open. You know, there were several, uh, you know, child care facilities that had to co- had to close due to COVID. Right. right. And, and we were we were truly blessed. We did not have to close at all. So you know, we went from a school that had an enrollment, you know, of 252 kids. And then in the peak of COVID, we had 15 children in our building. Wow. And I remember walking in our building and um, praying for all those children and those families, calling the children by name um, and those families by name during COVID and just having this feeling of, wow, like in the instant, like in a flip of a switch, our kids were gone, you know, parents were just so scared um, and just trying to do what they can do to keep everybody safe. Um, And so uh, we served a lot of families who worked in the healthcare facilities. So we wanted to be open um, for them as much as we can. We had to navigate teacher schedules where teachers worked one week on, one week off and rotate that way. Um, Parent teachers who we knew had, you know, their parents at home, we had them, you know, stay home for a while, you know, um, so that, you know, just, uh, just to be out of precaution as well. So right. they use their right. PTO or, you know, it was so such a blessing to have, to be able to use that, um, when we were out of, when we weren't working full-time to have that subsidy from the government helped mm-hmm. a lot. So we had to have that unemployment and then the additional bonus that came with that as well. We all got that. So, um, you know, that was something that our owner did, uh, did apply for and make sure that we were taken care of the best way that we can for our families too. So it was crazy for numbers to drop that quickly. Um, We kept going. We kept doing the online. We made packets for parents to pick up. Um, We did online readings. We did uh, class Zoom meetings um, once a week as well. We just tried to make the connection, keep it there so that students Mm -hmm. could see each other, parents could see that we were still here. We're in there with them um, and to really encourage them as when they felt ready to come on back as well. Um, a lot of our families did do like a good faith um, tuition. You know, they had already paid their tuition for the month and they said, no, we're going to come back. You keep that. Use that money to make sure you can pay our teachers. Wow. Our teachers stay, right? And I just get goosebumps because that was just that was a surprise just to see how much they cared about us and our school. And so, um, yeah, that was, like I said, it was a turning point and slowly and gradually they've been coming back, which is amazing. We've had new families join us as well. And so our, our enrollment's back up to 222 kids and awesome. we're going, we're keeping awesome. going. Yeah, we want them back. So yeah. That is wonderful. And that's the thing that we, that we want to see, you know, it's when, when you have something like this occur and then, you know, it's all about relationships. Yes, It's all about Definitely. building trust. It's all about, you know, having families trust that you are, you know, cleaning your facility proper properly and that they don't have to fear that their children may contract COVID or if they do, that the proper precautions are being taken and the proper measures are, are enacted when, when, you know, it does occur in your building. And so 
I mean, it's important that people realize that there, there are a lot of moving parts behind the yeah. scenes when it comes oh, to to these, uh, you know, to having the facility up to par, to making sure that that the children are in a safe environment. And just like you said, to go from 255 to 15, to 15. that has to be frightening. You're walking, oh, and, and not knowing whether those people are going to come back, whether they're going to be yeah. scared to come back, whether they trust you enough to bring their children back. I'm sure right. that there was a lot of, of, of fear. And then, you know, how are you going to keep a, you know, a full staff, you know, right. and like you said, having to do those rotations and, and right. people exactly. I'm sure that even, as, even as as managers, we worked five hours a day, you know, four to five hours. And we would just, we kept our, we did have to adjust our hours, you know, instead of working the, the normal 12 hour day, we did go back to like seven to five 30, you know, because mm -hmm. we didn't have that many children there. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to send staff home. Um, but yes, it was totally different. We made, I remember making a video to let parents know what they were coming to because we now had a face shield on, we had a mask on, we had a, a overcoat to protect us, we had gloves on, um, just the procedure on how to make sure that we did temperatures mm -hmm. before they came in the building, washed their hands, like it was just, it, I remember making all those videos and showing parents like we're doing everything that we can, our mm -hmm. environment is safe, um, we did our contact tracing, so when teachers went into one classroom, they stayed in that classroom, if they went wanted a bathroom break, it was one person the whole entire day who was able to go mm -hmm. in and give all the teachers breaks. So we knew who was in the classroom, where where they had been in the whole building. Children mm -hmm. didn't mix. They stayed in their classrooms um, the whole entire day. I mean, Lysol, Clorox, everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it still is, in all honesty. You know, we right. still... Um, masks are recommended. They're not required. And we still have many staff members and children that still wear masks at our school. Yeah. Um, we're still using Lysol and Clorox as our cleaning um, tools, as well as we have a cleaning company that comes in in the evenings. EnviroMaster comes in once a week to do their um, electric static cleaning. So all these things are still in place, right? Yeah. And so uh, we can only continue as new viruses and diseases come up to just be proactive. You know, oh the thing is, we don't let our guard down. We don't stop everything. Mm. And then we have to start it back up. Keep it going. You know, just keep, continue with the same uh, cleaning materials, making sure yeah. our cleaning routine is the same. Um, staff continue to do their closing checklists and submit that in the evening so we know how the classrooms are being cleaned. Mm. Um, so we're just still and we still. We don't take temperature checks, but we still sanitize hands as they enter the building. Right. Um, and so Lysol's still being sprayed everywhere. Like we're right. still doing all You're those still things. still taking the precautionary measures. Yeah, because you just never know. We This right. cold flu season coming up, you know, yes. by, oh everything goodness. just pops up. And so as right. much as we can, we try to just be proactive. Very good. And it sounds like communication is definitely something that is vital because as you know, the CDC and, and the World Health Organization and, and other, uh, you know, facilities are talking about different things and different channels and making yeah. different recommendations. I'm sure it had to be hard to yeah. you know, say, okay, you can come in the building. You can't come in the building. Okay. You got to wear a mask. You can't wear a mask. Oh, you got right. to, going back and forth, uh, you know, talk about the importance of making sure that communication was happening, not just with the, with the, uh, parents, but with the staff as well. Right. Right. So, we had lots of staff meetings. Um, we did, of course, 
our, we did Zoom meetings as well during COVID and even now we still do them. Um, and then we continue to do the email, the text message, group me, we do that as well. Our school uses an electronic, uh, an app that we use to communicate to parents and staff as well. So we are constantly just letting them know, just not just about COVID, but things that are just happening around our, our country and around our community. Um, you know, if something happened at another preschool, we let them know, listen, this is what happens um, at, a, at a fellow preschool and we need to make sure that we continue to um, stay vigilant when it comes to our supervision and accounting for children and so forth. So we are always just staying on top of just communicating about everything with them. So, um, and I do my Sunday evening uh, recap to everyone, letting them know what's coming up, what's, you know, what we need, what, what I plan on doing if I have meetings around with staff and all those type of things. So communication is key. Absolutely. You can't go into this business or go into the day blindsided by things. You just have to know, you know, so, yeah. Absolutely. So let's fast forward a little bit to, you know, more recent situations that are going on, uh, you know, without staffing. How is how has staffing been affected by by you know we we talked about how people have been rallying together and how they've been here and been supportive and and that's great but we've also seen a a, a shift in in uh you know people running into this industry right, so what right. what has that looked like you know it's it's totally different and this past weekend when we were at the or last week when we were a couple of weeks ago when we were at the GCCA conference. I think our speaker said it very clearly that the people who we're hiring now, we wouldn't have hired three years ago, right? They mm -hmm. need more training. They're taking longer to train. They need more um, assistance when it comes to understanding how things work in the childcare facility. So mm -hmm. um, we have newcomers. We have now truly stay-at-home moms who are now starting to come into the business as well. Um, younger staff members are coming into the business and they're not staying long. <laughs> they are not. They try something and oh, this is not for me. And they go somewhere else, you know? And so as the thing is with our, in our business, you have to have a background check. You have to have your 10 hours of health and safety training done um, the, within 30 days. You have to be CPR and first aid certified within 30 days. So all this investment is being put into staff members in the first 30 days and they're not lasting long, right? There's mm -hmm. lasting for three months, six months. And then, you know, so it's like, man, I know we only plan on having some stuff. You only have them for a time, right? But that's a lot of work yeah. to put in, to invest in someone for them not to stay. So right. uh, turnover is something that is something that we're working on. We look at bonuses, we look at retreats, we look at um, little giveaways that we can do to try to encourage our staff to stay, stay longer. So we're always yeah. more ideas um, and, you know, how we can, you know, looking at before we didn't have, we really didn't hire a lot of part-timers. Everyone mm -hmm. was full-time, but now people just want to work eight to two. They want to work, you know, six to six to 11. And right. it's like, <laughs> so now you're piecing together your shifts um your day and then classrooms and so forth and so more teachers are involved in caring for children but you've got to stay on making sure you do your background check you got to make sure that you do the training is key regardless of how long they stay you have to stay on it 
um, because things can come after that if you don't. If you if you let something slide or slip through the cracks, that could be your school's license. Um, that can be, you know, an, a citation. It could be all of those things. So mm. yeah, it's definitely different. Definitely. Right. Right. And I can imagine, like I said, the screening process, and like you said, making sure, you know, because, um, you know, in different states, sometimes the agencies right. are taking a little longer to get information right. back, yeah. but you need that information in order for them to be able to work with the children. You have to have their right. background checks. If it's taking longer for them to do those things, I'm sure that that, that slows down the process. Exactly. And then like you said, by the time you get information back, you want to make sure that you you know you're having the right people yeah. you know in there and and just like you said i'm sure it's been difficult to find a fit you know for right. people who are willing to stay like you say younger people people who right. are new to the industry you're not getting as many seasoned or veteran people that are coming right. in yeah. so i'm sure that that's a challenge so so now now of course i want to make it a little more personal because now how does that affect you as an individual because here it is you're having to juggle you know interacting with the parents you're yeah. having to juggle interacting with the staff you have to deal and, and with the children you're dealing with several different types of personalities coming at you with different yeah. concerns from all angles how do you keep it together <laughs> no i pray <laughs> i wake up my alarm goes off i look at my phone and see if anybody has called out for the day <laughs> okay so I can let my other managers know. And then I start to pray. And I'm just like, God, please let this day go well. You walk before all of us um, and make sure we stay aligned to you, stay focused mm -hmm. on you. Um, and so that has that that pushes me through, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you just make do. You know, honestly, I use a lot of, of my seasoned staff members to help with training as well. Um to help um, shadow or do, and I ask, do you mind staying a little bit later to help train this teacher so that they understand how to close the classroom and so forth. So yeah. that has helped using my seasoned staff that has been um, at our school for a while, that has mm -hmm. helped as well. Um, if there's a language barrier, um, I try to find a fellow coach, a fellow teacher that can help with translation. Or if they are closing a classroom, I place them strategically in a classroom that's close to the office. So that way, if any parent is trying to communicate, I can quickly step in to also help communicate or ask questions and so forth that way. So that has helped quite a bit. Um, you know, we just make do, we have to. Um, and the good thing is I have a team that everyone is hands-on. Everyone tries to help out. Managers try to help out everyone. So our yeah. owner tries to help out. So it definitely is a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's about delegation and, and, and I mean, yeah. you make a very valid point there, you know, we're, we're, you know, there's no I in team, like they said. So, you know, no man is an island. You can't do everything. And right. so it's always good to, to be able to delegate and to be able to recognize those who who can, you know, fulfill the task that you can't, that you can't do, you know, you, you, you have the capacity to do, but right. that you can pass on to someone else. So that's important right. that, you know, to be able and, to do. And yeah. we all have stuff going on, whether it be, um, you know, outside of work as well. Absolutely. So our own families. So we have a lot going on as well. And so if it is switching our shifts, you know, I need to switch a shift. Can you switch with me? Um, do you mind driving the bus today so that I can leave early to go do this? You know, right. we just, we just have to have, you mm -hmm. have to have compa compassion and understanding. Listen, the kids cannot run the building. So therefore right. we got to make it work <laughs> and we <laughs> try right. to find out how we can make it work and let's That's get, right. and let, you know, let's 
make sure that they're safe, they're getting what they need. And we, you know, my thing is when they all go home and I don't have a boo-boo report, or I know they, when I walk that building, I know they're all gone. I'm like, that's when I can, you know, relax, let my guard down. But until then, whatever is needed, everybody jump in. That's what we just have to do. Right. Because if you don't, you know, when you jump in, you just want to make sure you're not jumping in with an anchor around your neck. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. You don't want to sink right to the bottom. But just like you said, it's, it's a matter of having people in yeah. place. So yeah. so the one thing that that uh you know for from a parent from a parental perspective, you know, is is you know, what should parents be looking for, you know, you as a as a parent. You know, what were you looking for when you were looking for child care for your child? What are some things that people need to make sure that they're cognizant of if they're looking for child care or if they're looking to change the facility that their child is in? They're going to make the transition. You should be able to walk into the, to the school and anyone at the front desk, any other manager that's there, they greet you with a smile. It's a hello. It's a welcome. Come on in. Um, so, of course, that climate and that environment of the school, it should be warm and welcoming. Your child's going to be there seven plus hours a day, eight plus hours a day. So make sure that the environment feels conducive to what you want. You know, is it loving? Is it warm? You know, the, is a teacher greeting the child by name? You know, <clears throat> um, of course, you want to make sure that the curriculum, I would say, definitely look at what your child's going to be learning. Is there going to be screen time? You know, are they watching TV? You know, is that something that's going to be included? But what are they going to be learning? Mm-hmm. Um, I also say, look at the teacher credentials. You know, how long has the staff been here? Um, are they CPR first aid certified as well? That's key to also know as well. Um, and so ask those questions. Uh, one of the uh, best questions that I had recently to me is how do you plan on keeping your staff here so that you don't have the turnover and wow. so this is the parent asking me that <laughs> right wow I'm like well thank you so much for that no one's ever asked me that you know so think of out of the box questions of course you can go online and see all the other questions to ask but think mm-hmm. of stuff that is personable to you like listen if I invest if I'm giving you this money so that my child can get this education, what are you doing to make sure that your, te- the, your my child's teachers stay? Because mm-hmm. once they make that connection, connection, once a child makes that connection, right. they truly do love and trust that teacher. And the parents do too. So that's mm-hmm. like a friendship, you know? And I think sometimes we forget that our kids, they really do love coming to school. The first couple of weeks might be hard for those children who right. have a hard time with separation or transition, but once they start to independently come into that building and they look for you every day, you know? So it's just kind of like, what are we doing to, that was a great question, like I said, to keep them. And so um, I talked about how we do, uh, we look at semi-annual raises. Um, we look at also uh, teachers, we give them the opportunity to see if they want to stay in this classroom after a year, or are they looking to try another room? So things so that they can see how their talents can um, go from one class or one age group to a next. So. Um, those are some great questions to kind of ask. So yeah, that's beautiful. Those are wonderful, you know, ways in which, uh, you know, a parent can can you know be informed and make the best decision yes. 
for the care for their children, especially if the children are going to be there for a a long period of time. If they're going to be there for an extended amount of time during the day, you want to make sure that they're in a place that's safe. You want to make sure that they're in a place where, you know, where, where it seems like things are a well-oiled machine for a lot of our children, you know, especially those who have had separation anxiety, some who have had, uh, you know, a little bit of shock due to, to COVID and, and seeing all these people masks, it, you know, it has, it has really affected our children. We are seeing children that are falling on, on the um, spectrum for autism and for special needs. We are seeing children that are suffering with PTSD, all kinds of things that are going on. And so I know that it's important to create environments for them that are stable because this may be the only point of stability for them during the course of the day. So there is safety in that. They are confident that when they come into a facility, they want to know that when they come there, they're going to get a meal. They're going to have an opportunity to go outside and play. They're going to have an opportunity to take a nap if it's age appropriate. Those kinds of things, those are things that are going to be important for parents to consider. What is it that their children are going to be doing during the course of of the day? Right. Oh, this is an investment. We all know that childcare is an investment. It is. It's like a car note. It's like a house note. Not cheap. (laughs) It is not cheap. cheap. No, not at all. Um, So they want to know what is it? What are they getting for their investment? And I feel like as many questions as I ask, as the parents ask us, that is some of the things that I ask them. I ask them now um, because we know a lot of children were in schools before COVID. Then COVID came and they stayed they're now at home. And so now they're starting, they've been coming back. And I asked those parents, do you have any developmental concerns? And when they start to say, well, they were in school and they were talking and then we kept them at home and then they started, stopped talking. That is a key factor for me right there that lets me know, okay, well, we need to make sure that we do our assessments. And then also, and I tell my parents, I said, well, I always say all the time, well, for the first week, We will do an assessment to see how they're doing in the classroom. Then I will meet with you and we will let you know if we feel like your child needs a little bit more. We'll provide you with resources, neighboring businesses, um, county information so that you can look into that as well. Um, But I'm always, I always ask them, do you have questions about your child's development? Has your child ever had any, um, any, have they been diagnosed with anything? These are good questions for us to ask. Because also, like I say to a lot of families, we're educators, we're teachers, we're not therapists. And so we will welcome, we welcome all children into our buildings. But we know that we cannot serve them the best way that they need to be served. Then we're going to help you find either resources or um, a school or help you guide you into that direction of where you need to be. But, you know, so that's something that as a, as a center, as a leader, that's one thing that I ask because I also know my teachers, none of them, they're not, many of them are not equipped or know how to, you know, also work with children who have, who have developmental needs that we aren't able to meet, you know? So um, that's one of the questions that I do ask. Awesome. It just sounds amazing. And these are things that, that we hope that you know, childcare facilities across the nation are doing because we're seeing so, you know, we're seeing limited. We're seeing a lot of people acting out of frustration. Right. And so I love that you say that you're, you know, creating incentives for your teachers to stay that you're asking. I love that idea of, of having them, 
uh, you know, after a year saying, okay, is this a good fit for you? Do we need to move you? It's not, right. we need to move you out of the building. We may just need right. to move you to a different <laughs> age range. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because right. that sometimes what happens. We just say, oh, well, you're not a fit. It may be that that person was not a fit for that, for that age, age group. They may, yeah. they may shine or they may thrive working with a different group of children. Right. You right, know, and, exactly. and and just just having that willingness to be open to to communicate to yeah. see value and and what it is that the person is passionate about and saying okay how can I help you to to you know experience yeah. you know you know, have a positive experience in this facility right. just like the children do it's all about the exactly. adults too and I really think that you know the focus um has been on making sure that that the administrative staff, making sure that the, the staff people themselves are in a space where they're feeling safe and where right. they're feeling appreciated. Because if they don't, we're seeing a lot of people in the news lately that are, are you know, inappropriately touching our children, harming mm. our children. And parents are fearful. You know, they're scared to know, you know, what, yeah. what is going to make them feel comfortable coming to your facility. And a lot of what you've been sharing, you know, is an example of, of things that they should be looking for. There right. should be that communication. There should be right. that openness. There should be that willingness to tell them we're willing to assess your child. We're going to try our best to work with your child to make sure that right. this is the best fit for them. And if it's not, we're going to partner with you to help yeah. put your child in a place that's going to be best for them. Right. You have to, you know, I think because the, I know I have done a lot of research before about um, preschool um, suspensions um, in my college yeah. uh, when I was working on my master's and I couldn't believe it. And so yeah. the thing is a lot of those suspensions, I'm pretty sure that I had read about and did articles and so forth. Honestly, I really do feel like if teachers or the schools had partnered with a lot of those behavioral therapists, ABA therapists, um, uh, you know, looked really partnered with a lot of different other um, businesses that can come in and serve. And so we have amazing uh, businesses around my preschool right now where we have, they have therapists who come to our children to do services in our school building with kiddos. Um, we also have Forsyth, um, uh, one of the counties, they come out as well to work with their children too, um, or we get to send them there and then they come mm -hmm. half day there, half day with us. You know, not everything has to be just that classroom is a special needs classroom. You know, some children mm -hmm. are ready for that community classroom and they just need to just kind of start to uh, enter it in slowly, you know? Wow. So wow. I think as you read, as you get to know more about the child and their needs, make sure I would, I highly recommend that, schools partner with a lot of other therapists right. um, businesses and with the county school system as well because there are a lot of families who do not know mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I serve as is a decal ambassador for the department of early care and learning here in the state of Georgia and I help with making parents know more about the child care assistance program about um, the special needs uh uh, special, I forgot the name of the organization off the top of my head, but there's a special needs organization in here in Georgia that you're able to meet other families, find out other doctors or other um, resources that are available for families as well. Um, I give them more information about where to find meals. Like that also helps. Like the, a lot of parents just do not know. Wow. They really do not know. And I think when COVID came, a lot of parents, it was harder to reach them too, wow. you know? 
were able to get together more and have go to festivals and so forth. Like this is where I serve to make sure parents know about a lot of these services that are available because keeping kids at home or not having a, a, a preschool that is not licensed or is not quality rated or is not, you know, providing that quality care. Like there's a whole website that you can go and choose where you would like for your children to go. And it does not have to just be, um, you know, grandma, you know, let's get them socialized. Let's help them so that they're successful, you know, when they get to their um, public school or private school years when it comes to like kindergarten and older. So um, that has helped a lot as well. Yeah. I mean, and that's awesome. That's the thing. It's just that resources are out there. And we yeah. have platforms like these where we can have these conversations because it's important for people to be able to make, uh, you know, informed decisions, especially yeah. when it comes to their children, especially when it comes to their care, especially when it comes to addressing the problems, because we, we you know, as parents, we may not be capable of, yeah. of, of, you know, being able to, you know, to resolve the issues for the children, you know, right. just within the family realm, we have to reach out to the community and to see yeah. what we can do to, to best assist our children. Right. So, you know, it's, it's wonderful to have, have platforms like this, to have people like yourself who, who, who are taking time to, to, you know, to extend their passions and their knowledge and their wisdom to others so that that way we're creating the best and the safest environment for our children. Right. You know, Most it definitely. is so important. It is so important. And so right. uh, yeah, and the I thing know is we have to advocate for them. They're little, yes. they're, they cannot speak yes. for themselves. <laughs> Right, so we, we have, have to, to we have to help we have to advocate for them and honestly we have to help a lot of our families a lot of our parents just don't know so right. um wherever as a as a leader in the community and where we serve so many children yes. having this knowledge to share with other families who can share with other families and so forth it's super important so yes yeah. it is super important well with that i am going to say thank you so much for coming and talking about yes. child care, talking about the industry, talking about the importance of making sure that communication is happening yeah. and that and that we're we're supporting and encouraging our educators that are with us and that we're, you know, letting them know that they are valued, letting yeah. our families know that that their children and that the children that are in in our care are imp yeah. are important. You know, yeah. that is important for for our families to know. And so yeah. it's all about making sure that we're we're keeping that connection. You know, it's so well. I thank you. Thank you for for you know all that you're doing for the children in your community, for the thank children you. in your facility, and and pray that you continue and having much success with that. Now, before we go, I want to, you know, if there are some who are interested who may live in the uh, in the Georgia area or in the Atlanta area and may be interested in knowing more about your facility or about uh, areas, is there a contact uh, number or a contact email that they can reach you at? Yes, please feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions pertaining to um, early childhood education, about any of the programs that the state of Georgia offers families um, through the Department of Early Learning uh, right from the start. Um, I, if I don't know, I will definitely direct you to someone who does know. So you may definitely contact me. It's Camille, C-A-M-I-L-L-E, another E, Williams at AOL.com. So Camille E. Williams, um, please reach out to me. I would love to direct you to 
where you need to go and go from there. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And even if they, if they don't live in the state of Georgia, even yeah. if they're just interested in, in what questions they should ask or some things that they should be looking for, you know, Camille can point you in the right direction. Yeah, okay. definitely. So that is Camille, C-A-M-I-L-L-E, another E, and Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S at AOL.com. It will be in the uh, description for the show when it airs and you will be able to get in contact with her. Okay, another question that I always ask all of my guests before we go, how are you living in the now? How are you navigating in this space that we are in right now? You know, I'm taking every moment to spend time with my family. I love my babies. My husband is amazing. (laughs) So whenever we can kick up our feet and just um, watch a movie together, go on a drive, um, you know, just be involved in some of the festivals and activities in the the area, I take advantage of it. Um, I'm one who definitely believes that my children, um, they they just mean so much to me. And so I know that these years, as they start to get older... (laughs) They're going to start looking at college and all those things. And so um, having them with me and spending time with them, making those memories with them and showing Mm -hmm. them how, um, you know, how to truly love, you know, when me and my husband are together and we show them what true love looks like, how to love one and each other, you know, it's a boy and a girl. So they have their little tips and some tips sometimes, but um, you know, I just, I spending time with them makes, makes, it makes, it makes me happy. And so that's how I'm living in the now. Yes. Making sure I spend my time with them. So yeah. Yes, yes. Family is important. Yeah. Family is important. I love that. I love that that you know that your children get to experience love and they get to see it through your relationship with yeah. your spouse. So that is something that is amazing. You know, we've been we've been seeing a lot of people who, you know, they're they're in the house or and they're together and they're just like, oh, do I really want to be with these people? So it's nice to see. <laughs> Nice yeah, to meet right. want to be with each other, enjoy being with each other and enjoy spending time. That is a blessing. Yeah. It is a blessing. It is exactly. definitely not something that we want to take for granted. Yeah, okay, but, definitely. You know, it is, like I said, it's been a pleasure having you on Thank the show. You. You're always Anytime. welcome back. Yeah. You are always welcome back. Once a How Now uh, podcast uh, host, a guest, you're always welcome back because okay. what's Anytime. happening now may not be happening tomorrow, two hours from now, a year from now. So you're always welcome to come back and tell us how things are going in now. So again, we thank you for all that you shared. And hopefully, you know, those who are looking for childcare, those who are transitioning into childcare, those who are transitioning from one childcare facility to another, hopefully we were able to share some things with you that you can uh, use in making your next informed decision on childcare for your children. And with that, we will say thank you for joining us for this edition of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. Any other parting words that you want to give our listeners before we go? No, but just, oh, well, actually, yes. Have fun. Enjoy life. Listen, tomorrow's not promised. So please make sure that keep, you know, your loved ones, those who maybe you hadn't talked to in in a while, reach out to them and just check up on them, you know, just 
live life, enjoy life, no drama, enjoy life. <laughs> there you go. Enjoy life, no drama. You heard it right here. <laughs> All right. And that will do it for this edition of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. And until we see you the next time, I say peace. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Thank you.